The Spud Goodman Show wishes to thank our number one referring website in Europe, podcast.de in Germany. Meine Damen und Herren, die Spud Goodman Programm bietet Dank unserer Nummer 1 verweisenden Webseite in Europa, podcast.de in Deutschland. Yes, that familiar theme music warns you that it's time once again for the Spud Goodman Radio Show, 60 minutes of audio on the internet. So now, without further ado, here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, Accordion Joe. Because to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected, he wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. Here he is, the head cheese meister of the world wide web. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings. My name is Spud Goodman and I am host of this program. You know, I've served in this capacity for many years now, mostly on cable TV, but a little time on AM radio and now for another 18 months or so on a web-based radio show. And I sat down the other day and added up all the years I've, I've been in this talk show racket. It's, it's been a while. So last night, I don't know, for some reason I was thinking of those old Kodak commercials, you know, the ones where people age before your eyes in a 60-second ad. And as corny as they were... They kind of stuck with me. I understand the old, uh, you know, the years fly by thing is a well-worn cliche, but just because something's been repeated a million times doesn't make it less real. So I won't lie to you tonight. I really wasn't into doing a show, okay? Uh, lying on the sofa in my apartment with that maybe Nationals album on Trouble Will Find Me on repeat sounded a lot more appealing. But since I don't want to be a total Morrissey uh, right now, I gathered up my stuff and hopped in my car, and here I am. Uh... And with me, I guess, is uh, the show's temporary co-host, uh, Gerald Holcomb. You can say Strange. hello now. Say hello, whatever. Uh, well, uh, hello, everyone. Spud, That's enough. It, it's, well, it sounds like you might be suffering a bit of self-doubt and maybe a small dose of clinical depression. That's nothing to be ashamed of. I would never, ever be ashamed of being depressed. That's no. my hobby. You oh. know, one that I know, it will always be there for me, you know, which is nice. You know, something I can hang on to. Anyway, we need to say hello to our designated laugher, Gina. How you doing? Is the baby kicking up a storm tonight? <laughs> yes, she is. Gina, the show's designated laugher, will be on maternity leave beginning next week. We don't, we don't really know the sex of the baby yet, but I'm hoping for a girl. My mom saved all of my baby stuff, so it'll be pretty cool seeing her enjoying it. Yeah, yeah but what if it's a boy? You really need to be careful with gender confusion. I sure hope you aren't thinking about breaking out your dolls or 
stroller for a son, are you? That's pretty much what's turning our young men into oh, confused sissies right. nowadays. You know what I'm saying No, here. no, I yeah. don't. Oh. I played with some of my sister's dolls. You know, actually, it was just one. It was that like chatty Kathy doll, you know, that you'd pull the string and she'd say something like, oh, I just yeah. wet my pants or something. <laughs> you know, I remember having many conversations with her, chatty Kathy, and... I be, almost up to middle school, I think, if I remember correctly. You know, it helped a lot learn how to talk to girls. <laughs> Spud practicing, talking to girls with a doll is like Will Chamberlain learning to make love with a basketball. You know, uh, Spud, some things are probably best left unsaid. Uh, that one should probably have remained in the closet there. It's- well... I have a son, Gerald. He will be just as loved, and he will be free to play with whatever toys he wants to play oh, with. Oh, okay, okay. Listen, I just, as someone who wasn't shown sufficient masculine objects growing up, I just want to say it took me a few years after high school to come to learn what a man really should be interested in. Now, you can't prevent everything. If you do have a baby shower later and it's a boy, I'd love to get him his first tool belt or BB gun. Oh, that won't be necessary. You know, yesterday I read about this guy who said even though he was like in his 90s or so, he still in his mind felt 25. You know, that totally freaked me out. Well, Spud, aging is a natural part of life. I myself, I'm really looking forward to my senior years. The wife and I were excited to one day be snowbirds in Arizona. I sort of am looking forward to menopause. I mean, oh. it's rather freeing, I've been hey, told. Hey, I'm not afraid of getting old. I'm okay with it. But I always thought when I was 90 years old in a nursing home, I would feel 90. You know, maybe in a stupor and it wouldn't, <laughs> you know, it, it would all make sense as I was wrapping things up. If, but if I'm 90 and I do feel like I'm still 25 or so, that's going to mess me up. I think the key thing is to make sure you're involved with age-appropriate activities. <laughs> that sounds really depressing, even more so. I, I'm not a bingo player, and I'll never do sing-alongs. Oh, that's really not much different than doing karaoke in a no, bar. Y- well, yeah, but it won't be in the dark, where it feels a lot more comfortable mm. butchering previously you know, treasured songs. Nursing homes are always so well-lit. <laughs> and the prune juice they serve will probably be slightly warm. So it's, it's just not going to do the job eradicating my inhibitions like a, a double vodka tonic, you know. I, I don't even drink that much except when I do karaoke. But I got to play some music. I just got to get moving here. So, all right, uh, we're going we're gonna to cue up a song by the Blakes uh, titled Chernobyl. They performed it live on our video podcast last year. And it is still available to see on our YouTube channel, by the way. But this is their version off their studio uh, album, Junko, uh, from ni- uh, 2013. So let's check this out. Hey, she want a little baby Hey, she want a 
is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, this is Mario Cantone, and you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, uh, Spud, our first guest, Billy Gardell, is on the line. You know, the wife and I never miss Mike and Molly on CBS. Well, that's nice to know. You know, yeah. both he and Melissa McCarthy are very, very funny people. They are. Did you know that though Billy was born near Pittsburgh, the family later moved to Florida, and he graduated from Winter Park High School in Orange County, Florida? I did not know this because I haven't had a chance to actually interview him yet. Well, sure. But listen, if you want any inside information about Billy, like what the team mascot's name was at his high school, I'll be here for you as a resource to utilize. Man, I think I'll be just fine on my own. Please put him on. Uh, you, you got it. Please welcome actor, comedian, Billy Gardell to the show. How's it going tonight, Billy? Good, buddy. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, so let me let me get into this. Uh, you're going to be performing at the Emerald Queen Casino in Tacoma. That is correct, right? Yes, it is, sir. I'm looking forward to coming back. The last couple times we've been there, we've had great turnouts, and I'm hoping all the Mike and Molly fans will come out and support again, and I appreciate that they did the last two times. By the way, I play Mike, not Molly. <laughs> okay, that's for the record. We've corrected that. All right, super. Um, well, let's talk about the show a little bit. My, my, um, you, you co-star in a network sitcom, Mike and Molly, which draws around 13 million viewers a week. And I should add that the old reruns are now airing on FXX. And you're now the host of a new syndicated show, The Monopoly Millionaires Club. So let's just say you're doing pretty darn well career-wise. So here's my question. You still head out on the road to do stand-up? You must clearly yeah, dig man, it. Yeah, stand-up is my absolute first love. You okay. know, it, it's what it's what brought me to the dance, and it's the thing I love the absolute most. It's my favorite of all the three. And, uh, you know, when you start out as a comic, you're playing for, you know, 12 people, and then if you're lucky, you get it up to maybe 200, and then you never know where it's going to go from there. A night, you know, and then because of the success of Mike and Molly, you know, I, I get to perform for crowds of, you know, anywhere from 1,500 to 3,000, and that's just a blessing, man, and it's what you, what you dream of as a comic your whole career. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a for sure. Well, well, you know, I didn't even mention that you also dabble in radio, doing regular weekly segments on WDVE in Pittsburgh. Not far I from do, where man. Born. Morning radio is a big, uh, big, uh, big love of mine. I, um, I, I call my uh, hometown uh, rock station every Tuesday morning. I get up at 530 in L.A., and I got a little matrix box, which allows it to sound like I'm in the booth. You know, it's very good quality. And uh, <clears throat> those guys have been doing that with me my entire career. You know, they've been doing it with me for about 13 years. Wow. And my, the whole time I've been in L.A. And, uh, you know, when, as success came, it was nice to just keep doing it with them and talk through all of that. And uh, it, it's, it was actually where I was headed. I was going to um, go back there to get a job and uh, just settle there because I hadn't booked anything in about two years in L.A. before Mike and Molly. And, and I was on the road constantly, and I didn't want to be away from my family. I had a, right. a young son and a, and a wife, and it was just getting to be too much. So I thought, you know, maybe this will be the move. We'll go back. We'll get on the radio by 10 a.m. and then I'll have the rest of the day for my kids and my family and um, or my kid not my kids my kid and my family and then uh, I told my friend who was going to give me the job back there I said I'm going to ride out one more pilot season and pilot season is about a three month window where you mm -hmm. you know try to get a job on television you hope that the show you get a job on goes to air so I got six auditions in three months and the last one was Mike and Molly 
Yeah, I was talking to Kevin Nealon about that last week. The the, the old the whole pilot press is kind of like the lottery, right? It's just uh, you never. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's like you know they'll, the the networks will pick up you know six or seven pilots, whatever they're going to do, six or seven shows. So there's probably five roles on each show. So you're looking at about 30 roles per show, and then if you fit into what they're looking for, there's probably you know four or five hundred other people that look just like you, and uh, you know that have a similarity to you. And then you go in and you start the audition process. And then if you uh, you get picked to get a call back, that probably whittles it down to about 30. And then uh, from there, they pick three. <laughs> and then those three people go to the, the network and audition for the part, and the network approves one. And then you shoot a pilot. And then you don't know for another couple months whether or not the pilot's going to get picked up. So yeah, it's a long process. Almost you have to you have to lottery about four times to get on television. <laughs> Damn, I guess it's, that, that tops the Powerball. All right, well, Spud, I was wondering if maybe Billy here would be interested in reading a spec script for a sitcom I've been working on lately. Say what? Oh, look at you using those inside terms like spec script. What the hell do you know about script writing? You sell like carpet and linoleum. My wife Rachel's been pushing me to explore my creative side, so I bought this script writing book online. <laughs> you know, if I could sell a pilot script to a network studio, I would be set for life. Hey, be careful about believing everything you read, especially about being a writer in Hollywood. Have you ever been to an In-N-Out in LA? Half the staff behind the counters at those places are aspiring screenwriters. I just thought starting with a sitcom script would be the easiest route to getting my toe in the door down there. Look, none of your body parts is getting through any door in Hollywood. Trust me on that one. So quit wasting your time on this and maybe get a third job, possibly multi-level marketing. That's up your alley. Now zip it. I have to get back to Billy. Let's talk about Pittsburgh because I'm I'm surmising you grew up a Steelers fan, correct? Absolutely, hardcore Steelers fan. All right. Well, I'm guessing then you were pretty happy with the officiating in the 2005 Super Bowl versus the Seahawks because up here we're still a little testy about the calls in that game. You're still holding on to that. Yeah, huh? we are, and we plead we plead guilty to being sore losers. You know, we haven't got over this year yet either. No, I, you know what? I was rooting for you this year, man. I was really rooting for you this year. I was. Uh, I. I don't understand that last call, but you know, I'm not a head coach, so yeah, that's what was going through his mind, you know. But uh, I was actually rooting for you guys because uh, I. I have a disdain for the Patriots because they, thank you. They've beat us. They've beat us several times. Thank you so much for that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, your your co-star Melissa McCarthy appears to be kind of fearless in front of the camera. Is there anything she would refuse to do on the show? Because she doesn't strike me as one who cares about looking cool and. You know, and you don't see no, many she, female actresses she, she, like that. She gets, uh, she gets that uh, if you go for it, the payoff is big. And I've never met anyone like her. She's really amazing. She's super fun to work with. And, you know, the cool thing about her is not just who she is. I mean, she's handled enormous amount of success in a very graceful way. Mm -hmm. She's very kind still, and, you know, the ego hasn't gotten out of control. Like, she's just a good person. But when I work with her, it's uh, it's exciting because you never know quite what she's going to do. She might go left, and you don't know when. And as a comic, it's fun to see if you can keep up with that as a straight man. You know? Wow. Yeah. That That's exactly what I would expect. Uh, she, I, I, so I'm, I'm guessing that it's not boring on the set, so, yeah. No, man, you know, our whole cast is really a great group of people. Everybody loves each other, and it's 
five years in and we're like a family and uh, we just got picked up for season six and everybody's Congrats. very grateful to come back and continue to do just one of the best jobs in Hollywood. Right. Well, you know, the original premise of Mike and Molly was you met each other at an Overeaters Anonymous meeting and that has to be like the one and only time a network sitcom has celebrated the issue as it usually casts like thin actors, extremely thin actors in lead roles and then has one token overweight guy in a supporting role. So you can you got yeah, a show that can be able to relate Exactly, to. And, and I applaud that. You know, it was, first of all, it was... It was, they met there, but their flaws, they're trying to get healthier. But the crux of the show, the very heartbeat of the show was always, here are two people that think that they're never going to fall in love, and then they fall in love. Mm -hmm. And that is what people, that's why people tune in and watch the show. And if you watch the show closely, if you really look at it, you see Mike and Molly are trying to get healthy, but they're the two most sane people in the cast. Because the real mess is the family that surrounds them. And what's, the other part that I love that, uh, that we, we handle incredibly well on our show is our show, our cast is very diverse. Mm-hmm. It's very real. And you have, uh, you know, you have, um, you have a, a, my best friend who's a dear friend in real life, Reno Wilson, who plays Carl. You got your best friend who's giving you advice on things he's never done, which is real life. Mm-hmm. We got, uh, we got a semi-alcoholic mother, which, you know, real life again. And we got uh, passive aggressive, you know, uh, anger filled mother-in-law. We got a hustler in Vince, and you know, we we got a struggler in the Ambi. And so there's somebody on our show, and the Stoner sister. Let's not forget Katie. Right. But the the the, the beauty on our show is you can look at our show and see people you know. And I think that's what's different about us on television. And also, you know, Chuck Lorre is you know he's really like this generation's Norman Lear. He's not afraid. <clears throat> to have these emotional moments on the sitcom instead of everybody being so charming and funny. You know, I mean, we actually get to play real moments out, which is a real breath of air as far as I'm concerned in sitcom television. Yeah, Chuck Lorre's a track record. He's not too shabby, so... Uh, no, that guy knows his TV. Man. Yeah. Well, you play a police officer on the show, and you guest starred as a cop on My Name is Earl, and even played a security cop in the movie Bad Santa, so you must be like the casting director's go-to law enforcement guy. I guess so, man. Better to be uh, typecast than not cast. Really? That's very, very well stated. Um, but maybe, hey, maybe you'll get one of those uh, dark buddy cop uh, movies because they make a buttload of them. So something I'll to look tell you, to. you know, man, <clears throat> what I'd like to do after playing Mike and America's Sweetheart for, uh, for the length of this show, and, and I hope it goes another three years, but once that's done, I think I would like to try something where I play like a crazier dark darker character. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun to get into and it'd be a nice change. Alright, super. Um, you know, on our show tonight we've been discussing the subject of getting older and I've come to the conclusion that when you're watching games on TV in a nursing home you could be like 90 and still feel like you could do better than the player who just missed a free throw, struck out or shanked an extra point, you know? So, <laughs> I, I don't know, my, my question is your or statement is your, your self-image sort of freezes in place at your peak while the body continues to deteriorate, so um, you're going to still be screaming at whoever's the Steelers QB in 2063. It's just a head head up, you know? Well, I, I think it's every sports fan's uh, uh, right <laughs> to, to criticize what's going on on the field. That's part of the fun of sports. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, well, early in your career, you opened up for one of the greatest, if not the greatest, I think maybe the greatest comedians of all time, George Carlin. How cool is that yep. experience? It was incredibly cool. You know, I, I got a call from the club owner in town, and uh, and. Uh, he had come in and his opening act was sick and I happened to get uh, I got lucky I was standing in the right place at the right time and I got to go over and uh, open for him and um, he was uh, he was so gracious with me and very kind and uh, and afterwards I said can you give me some advice and he said yeah he said always write about what's going on in your life 
that way your act never gets old. And I said, well, what if nothing's going on in my life? He said, then get busy living, kid. And they wow. walked away. <laughs> wow. I'm writing, very cool. I'm writing that down right now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, last question. Um, if you could do one thing over again in your life, like be handed a do-over card, what might it be? What would it be? Um, I think I would have took better care of myself health-wise, and, uh, and I'm working on that now. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. enlightenment takes a little while, but I'm, I'm finally getting to a place where I'm, I'm really starting to take care of myself. And uh, I think that's what I would have done a little differently, but I can't really complain because, uh, you know, it landed me a job where I get to take that journey. Yeah, that's, that's, that's well stated. Um, all right, then. And let me also remind my listeners that you, again, are now hosting a new syndicated game show, Monopoly Millionaires Club. Check your local listings to find the time and channel. Saturdays and Sundays, we're giving away a million bucks. Wow, super. Um, well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to check in with us, okay? No, it's fine. Thank you. All right, Mr. Billy Gardell. I have a seven-year-old, and I don't want him to have to download his childhood. You understand? I want him to be a kid. I want them to go outside and play and think of stuff to do. And it's hard as a parent, man. You got to let them play some video games, right? Because you got to let them keep up with his boys at school. You don't want to be that weird kid at the lunch table shooting marbles going, My dad says this is a video game. <laughs> Trying to do that. But there's got to be a happy middle ground. I don't want him to be one of them video vegetables. You know what I mean? Go outside and play. That's it. You know, use your imagination. We didn't have a Nano or a PlayStation or an iPod or a PSP or a... I had a stick. <laughs> and on a good day, a roll of caps and a fucking rock. That was it. That was it. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions. The program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is a Spud Goodman Show. All right, musical guest interview time. Please say hello to Wes Spate. Hey, uh, Wes, how you doing? Doing good. All right, you hail from Nashville, Tennessee. What brought you up to Seattle, Washington? Uh, wanting to explore outside the South. I've uh, only lived... Uh, well, not now, but um, previously, I had only lived in the South, uh, lived in Atlanta, Georgia for a very short time, Texas, Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. and um, different parts of Tennessee. All right, so. super. Well, off the record, how many real cowboys live in Nashville these days? Because you see a lot of hat and not much cowboy there, in my opinion. Do you, do you think like Merle Haggard would, would actually get a record contract if he was starting out there today? It might be a little too gritty for the A&R guys. Yeah, that's a great question. I think... Um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's it's such a great question. It's so hard to know. I mean, there's so many weird things happening in country. It's like country rap or country pop now. It's not. Uh-huh. Uh, and just like you said, there's not the gritty country like Merle Haggard. At least if there is, it's not popular. It's not popular. Um, it's not marketed. Um, you know, and even to think like how he was marketed back then in comparison to how people are marketed mm-hmm. today is pretty wild. Yeah. Well, you have a unique sound yourself. How, how would you describe it? Um, not. I wouldn't describe it very well. Is okay. how I would describe it. Um, right. I mean, it's it's you know. I think there's the southern grit. I I want that to be in there. I mean, that's you know. I think I'm proud of that. If I'm proud of anything from the south, there's lots of things to not be proud of. But um, 
I, I like that in that, you know, that's going to be there no matter what, just because it's like in my bones, you know, in your DNA, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, what's the name of the first song you're going to do? I'm going to do You've Lost Your Touch. All right, let's do it.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Don't touch that mouse. Spud will be right back in just a moment. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. All right, it's Clip of the Week time, and uh, this one centers on 2016 GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump. At the recent NRA convention, I guess this was a required stop for all potential commander-in-chiefs from the Republican Party. I don't know. (laughs) I myself had the privilege of interviewing Mr. Trump many years ago, and it's good to see he remains his old self to this day. Donald Trump's extravagant lifestyle, outspoken manner, and role on the NBC reality show The Apprentice have made him a well-known celebrity who was number 17 on the 2011 Forbes Celebrity 100 list. On a scale of 1 to 10 regarding being a dickhead, he still maintains a solid 10, in my opinion. I mean, who out there might exceed this his perfect score? You, you can make a case for, say, Tom Cruise or that oldest uh, bearded dude from that Duck Hunter family or maybe even Bill Belichick, you know, the Patriots czar. But my money call, yo. will always be on the Donald. He never disappoints. Roll the clip. I promise you one thing, if I run for president, and if I win, the Second Amendment will be totally protected. That I can tell you. With that said, our country is in serious, serious trouble. We have a president who, in my opinion, is incompetent, doesn't know what he's doing. We need a new president. We need new leadership. We need strength. We need people that are respected. Putin has no respect for our president. ISIS has no respect. And do you ever notice it's never ISIS, it's ISIL. The only one that says ISIL is Obama. It's the only one. Just not a good person. Just not a good person. And I can tell you this, if I run, and people are going to be very surprised, and if I win, America will be great again. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This is the Spud Goodman Show. I don't understand. But as a professional, you, you just can't let your preoccupation with your mortality impact your job as host of the program. Now, I think you did a good job putting it aside when you were interviewing Billy. Well, uh, he would have never known you were in the midst of a personal struggle. Well, I yeah, think- of course. 
I've spent many years perfecting being a fake. It's pretty easy to pull off. I think you need to tell Mr. Depression to take a vacation. Getting older isn't all bad. I mean, you get senior discounts at Denny's. Uh, my grandma eats there a couple times a week and she loves it. Yeah. Says it's what way hell, cheaper yo? than cooking for herself I, at home. I, I'm never going to use my senior discount, no matter how old I get. Uh, since in my mind, I'll still feel 25. It'll just feel like a scam. Not that I'm above a scam regarding free food, but I'm never going to play the age card to pull that one off. I have some standards. Yeah, like Gina said, there's a variety of benefits awaiting you when you're in your late and golden years. Like, it's easy to get handicapped parking authorization. It, you know, you keep that in the glove box and whip it out at the mall during the holidays, maybe on Saturday mornings at Costco. That's something I'm looking forward to getting someday. Uh, you know, when I'm 90-something and in a, in a home, I am probably won't be going to the mall or Costco much. Oh. But what I am saying here is I will still want to. You know, just hop in my car and buzz over there, here or there, wherever, on some Friday or Saturday night. But I'm probably going to be in my bed watching the Weather Channel with my roommate on our shared TV, okay? It's going to be like 2 in the morning. And also, I, you know, I'm probably going to want to go to Jack in the Box, make a run there just like I did when I'd be coming home from after hearing some band in my 20s. But in reality, you know, I never went to see a band. Instead, I'm probably just going to be in my bed with bed sores all over my backside. I'm just depressed right now thinking about this. But I get that your mind will probably still feel like you're young while your body would be near its expiration date. Uh, That does create some interesting situations. Yeah, I I just don't see it myself. Let me tell you, when I'm 90, something I'm pretty sure I'll be displaying age-appropriate behavior, and my mind will be in sync with my body. (laughs) That's because you already act like you're 90-something right now. When was the last time you did something wild and out of the norm from your average day? You have the lifestyle of a mummy. (laughs) Gerald, you were probably an old man at birth Crying about taxes and immigration For all that you are worth Listen, acting my age is something I've never had a problem with, but I understand you're still trying to hang on to your youth, like your rock and roll music. You know, you book these bands, and a lot of them are so loud, they make the fillings in my teeth rattle. Really? And some of the guests on this show are often quite inappropriate, too. Uh, My wife has had to turn down the volume when the kids are around, as, you know, if you've been downright nasty in their humor, I just smile in the studio and I keep my mouth shut, because that's what a good... Hello, you can! what a co-host does, I guess. Uh, yes, it is. And I'm glad we're clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like most of the bands that Spud has on the show. Gerald, he's right. Yeah, you sure. already seem like you're in your 80s at least. Loosen up a little. Uh, I guess the upside for you is it'll be a seamless transition when, when you're in a home in your 90s. Is you'll have like 40 or 50 years you know, experience doing a test drive. <laughs> right now, we need to bring on our next guest, though. And I, I'm going to do my best to put my personal demons off to the side until the show's over tonight. Check and see if, if he's holding on the line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our next guest, uh, John Reap, is on the line. You know, the wife and I loved him when he was on The Last Comic Standing, and at the end, he was The Last Comic Standing. I, I am aware he did win I the year mean, he was though. on. Uh, <laughs> c- could I just take the call now, please? Well, yeah, but I-, I didn't know if you were aware of his career. Did you know he attended North Carolina State University? No, but I might if I was actually interviewing him now instead of wasting my time talking with you. Well, I-, I just thought it would put it out there if you needed it for uh, the interview. Are you done? Just put him on, please. Right. All right, please welcome actor, comedian, John Reap to the show. How's it going tonight, John? It's going good, Spud. How you doing, brother? Not too bad, not too bad. Okay, well, for those that are not aware, uh, you you won The Last Comic Standing in 2007, and, and you know, I was talking with Ralphie May, he was on our show a few weeks ago, that many winners of that show had some tough luck later, but you have gone on to a film and TV career, so you're the exception, right? <laughs> 
I said, uh, I well, yes and no. I think part of what helped that was um, prior to that, I was also on a Star Search with Arsenio Hall, and I lost. Oh. So I think the fact that I have a loss on a reality show under my belt kind of helped me after I won last comic standing. So I'm not a total winner. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what I was getting at. In talk, I mentioned that to Ralphie. It seems like uh, winners kind of have, I don't know if it's a Sports Illustrated cover jinx or whatever, but <laughs> the, the losers, uh, I don't know, may, I don't know how you would even analyze that. But, okay, well, now that you threw that out, maybe that maybe it furthers that storyline. So, all right. Um, I, wasn't aware, I wasn't aware of that loss with, on Arsenio's show. So, no. Yeah, I got beat. It was like in 2000, I got beat by Ben Bailey, the cash cap guy. Oh, yeah, we had Ben on. He's great. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah, love him. Um, okay, so you were, though, a regular in the final season of my number four all-time favorite show, Eastbound and Down. So you have major street cred, in my opinion. i got to say that for the record. Oh, well, thank you. That was, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. We got to shoot that in my home state of North Carolina, first of all, so that was fun. I got to, you know, spend a whole summer in Riceville Beach, which was great. And first, I mean, secondly, I was uh, already a huge fan like you of that show. Um, I was actually uh, Kenny Powers for Halloween, like the year before I was on the show. Oh, super! And uh, yeah, which is kind of weird because I'm sitting next to him. You know, day one we're taping the uh, uh, one of the scenes there, and uh, I, I so bad wanted to show him a picture of me dressed as him, but I was like, well, I better wait. I don't want to be that weird guy. It's like a fanboy day day one, you know. Right. Uh, well, you played the character of Jed Forney, and you took a lot of abuse from Danny McBride's, you know, Kenny Powers and other cast members. So my question is, did you ever get any payback off camera? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They pay you. Uh, they, they pay you to be there. So uh, no payback yeah, uh, literally, though. Literally, I got I got pay. Oh, payback or playback? Payback. Oh, I'm just saying, did you no, give him any really crap me. back? No, no crap, because he gave you a. I, yeah, if I could, yeah. So I just was curious. Yeah, actually, yeah. There's a, there's a scene where I get pushed off the the yeah, boat. Yeah. Um. The and uh, on that scene, I actually did hurt myself. Like, you know, I I I thought I was still athletic, you know, but I'm 43 years old. So when they said, "Well, John, we have a stunt guy here. Do you want us to use the stunt guy? Or can you uh, can you fall off a boat?" I was like, "I can fall. I could do this easy. I could just. But I want to make it look real." So when he pushed me, I kind of like propelled myself, and I thought that I could clear the bow, but it, but I didn't. I, I hit my penis uh, on the bow and then on my shin on the way out. So I was literally in pain as I came out of the water, which he said, that was great. That looks believable. <laughs> like, and well, it's because I'm actually hurt. They didn't have stunt junk or anything. That was just straight up. You just paid the price, huh? Right, yeah, super. and All then right. they said, uh, "Well, we got to do it again because uh, there was some audio problems." And I go, oh. "Okay, let's use this tongue right now." I hate, I hate it when that happens. Well, you know, we had Omar Dorsey on the show last year, and uh, he he talked a little bit about about that season. I guess for those who are not aware, he played Dontel Benjamin. But he said you guys improved a bunch of the dialogue. How crazy did it get on the on the talk show set where you, where you guys were kind of just kind of it got wild. Let's put it that way. Yeah, totally. I mean, Omar, I love Omar. I mean, uh, he's hilarious. I got to hang out with him a bunch and, uh, you know, for that whole summer. But um, improv a lot. Like, you know, since I was such a huge fan of the show, like, I wanted to be really prepared. So when I got the script, I, you know, I memorized everybody's lines. I memorized my lines. I was ready to go. And uh, it was take one. There was no meeting about this. It was like take one. We're, we're uh, shooting the scene where we're, like, uh, celebrating at, a, like, a bar. There's all these hot chicks and stuff. That was the day one for me of taping. So that first take, everyone 
is off script. Everyone's improving, and I was like, oh, wow. okay, that's what we're doing. So that's they improved a lot, and uh, you know it. I, I love it actually. Um, that's part of the appeal of that show to me is like you know it's just so believable and real. Uh, did, I'm, I'm taking it. It might have been tough to to not crack up a bit with some of the improv stuff because it at least the last couple episodes on the set just it was like a war in there kind of it was a verbal war yeah they and they, they improv a lot so and they'll do it until they're happy so like we spent like like the beginning of the week would start at like 9 a.m and shoot to like maybe like 9 p.m wow and because of like laws and stuff they can't they, you actually have to have, have to have a certain amount of sleep <laughs> so they're like okay we're gonna push our time back for tomorrow to noon and then we go from noon to midnight and then by the by the by the time thursday and friday rolled around we were starting at like like 5 p.m. and working till 5 a.m. You know, so um, crazy schedule, but those guys are talented. They work hard and they play hard, and it was one of the best summers of my life working with those guys. No chance there'll ever be a Kenny Powers uh, feature, will there? I mean, is that that the last? I mean, I know the, the ending was kind of definitive, but I'm just curious. I've been heard, I've been hearing rumors about that, actually. Because, ah, you know, the, the, whole, the whole series, he was writing his own little... Um, uh, I guess autobiography, you know, that yep. was part of the, his his script or whatever. So there's a chance that uh, that might get turned into a to a feature. Super. All right. Yeah, I hope that. so. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Well, you were also in a feature film, uh, Into the Storm. So do you have any interest in being a storm chaser in real life? It looks like it could be fun if you could do it in like an Abrams tank or something. Yeah, totally. I, I like, uh, I've never seen a tornado in my life. But um, I would love to see one at a safe distance. Um, but no, I have no real uh, aspiration to be a Toronto chaser. But it was fun shooting that film. I got to play uh, Shocker. You're not going to believe this, but I played a redneck. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. Hard to be- it's hard to believe. It's a stretch. But I actually, uh, me and this other guy, um, Kyle Davis, who's now one of my best friends, he, was, he played Donk. We were like these wannabe tornado chaser, like Johnny Knoxville's, like sort of like jackass type characters, trying to get famous by doing stupid stunts on YouTube and that kind of stuff. And uh, we start chasing the tornado chasers. Uh, but I, uh, it was fun. We shot that in Detroit, like like a couple of years ago. So I guess you're saying that there weren't real tornadoes in this movie? No, no, no. I didn't say that. No, okay. no. We, we there were definitely real tornadoes. Okay, um, there you go. All what, right. That's what. That's why it took so long to film it. We, it took like three years. We had to sit around. A lot of time, it's just waiting for the tornadoes. You know, those are prima donnas. They show up when they want to show up. I gotcha. All right. Super. Yeah, I, I kind of got hooked on tornadoes after Sharknado, and now I'm just into anything with NATO on it. I just, I just want to say that. For <laughs> so, I agree. All right. Spot, just wanted to touch on the fact that John here has appeared in a commercial for Dodge. He's the Hemi guy, you know? It, it didn't seem to have a negative impact on his career. I really believe you need to rethink your stand against doing commercials. What are you, a socialist? The answer is no regarding my party affiliation, and it's not exactly like I'm turning down a buttload of these offers from, like, Subway or some tequila company to endorse their products. The only thing I've said no to is doing a voiceover for that porta potty company you wanted me to work with. Um, well, they were customers of mine from South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. Look, there you go again. I asked you to refrain from any more on-air plugs for your employer. Well, the Porta Potty Company are regular customers of ours, and they were really interested in using you in their new ad campaign for their website. Um. They they had never heard of you before, but they did it as a favor to me. That was a lost opportunity, Spud. Well, maybe so, and I might regret it someday. But right now, I have to get back to my interview with John, if you don't mind. Okay. 
Well, for your work in uh, in Dodge commercials, you've been tagged as the Hemi guy. What the hell is a Hemi? I don't know much about that stuff. My car over the years have only had like engines, heaters, and cassette tape decks. I don't know what a Hemi is. I yeah, uh, Hemi is short for the word hemispherical. It describes the oh, cylinder head. So when the spark down. plugs ignite, you get a bigger explosion, and you just you go faster. Oh. Um, I, I I didn't know a whole lot about it either until I started doing the commercials. All right. Um, but yeah, it's one of these. Uh, it's a um, well, Richard Petty, like who was the king of NASCAR. Right. Basically, he won all those races because of that Hemi engine. They had to outlaw it for a while. So, like novices like myself would be allowed to legally have a Hemi. So I might have to check out and get one of those in my in my you know Dodge Dart. So all right, super. Well. Speaking of speed, you 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 host the show. Are you faster than a redneck on the Speed Channel? Well, are, are rednecks faster in a foot race than other humans? Is I have no idea. Yeah, no, not in a foot race. Oh, no, it's no, not no, a foot no. race. Come, it's not a foot race. No, no, okay. no. We'd be dead dead last in that most okay. likely. Okay. Um, too much gravy and syrup running through our diabetes blood vessels. But yeah. uh, when it comes to cars, you know, there's it's about. It's it's about fifty fifty, you know. There's a good chance. I got a lot of horsepower in a lot of these old school muscle cars, but uh, no, not in a foot race. Dead last. Okay, so so like in the red states, the, they could smoke anybody in the blue states in terms of actual like vehicles with engines. So I got it then. I'm right. I just wrote it down. All right, super. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I know you got to get going here. So John will be appearing at the Parlor Live Comedy Club in Bellevue, Washington, tomorrow and Saturday with two shows, 7:30 and 10 p.m. We want to thank you so much for calling in tonight. All right. Thank you, buddy. Have a good one, Mr. John Reap. And I'll tell you this, too. It is not the size of your town that makes it small town. That's not what it is. It's the way of life. It's the town's attitude. I call it townitude, man. <laughs> yeah. If you're not sure if your town has townitude, ask yourself these questions. Did your high school football coach also teach driver's ed? <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. He sure did. He did even though he had three DUIs on his record. No matter. You ever seen him, you ever seen your mailman driving his own car to deliver the mail? Yeah. And then deliver pizzas on the weekends? It's rough out there. Here's what happened to us. Our preacher was caught stealing money from the church and he's still the preacher. <laughs> we forgave him. That's what he told us to do. <laughs> he is a preacher. This is the Spud Goodman Show. We sure got the surprise of our lives. Once again, Wes Spate.
Your mom's on the phone. Okay, okay, I'll make it quick. Mom, you there? Uh, yes, and I have to tell you, I actually been listening to the show tonight. Don't ask me why, it just sort of happened. And I got so tired of hearing you whine about getting older, I had to call in and tell you to suck it up. I'm not <laughs> whining about getting older. We're just discussing the ramifications of aging, that's all. I do not enjoy hearing you sounding so depressed about the gift of maturity and the wisdom that comes with it. Who wants to be 23 again? All the decisions that have to be made at that age? No, thank you. That was just about the time I had to consider whether to leave your father while on our honeymoon. We were yeah. both so young and irrational. For your sake, if not mine, be happy. I did suck it up as you and your the only positive things that came from marriage. Uh, Mrs. Goodman, staying with the marriage is always the wisest course of action. You made the right decision. Who said that? 
Is that that carpet salesman saying some things again? Oh, <laughs> Mrs. Goodman, I do have another job besides being your son's co-host. It's a sales position with South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. We're open six days a week, and we're closed on Sundays for family day. Now, if you have any needs in carpeting or anything like hey, that. Hey, what, what did I say about on-air plugs for your oh, other job? Right. <laughs> oh, well, uh, whoever the hell you are, please butt out, oh. as I am talking with my son here. So, Spud... Getting older isn't fun, I won't lie, but if you have the right attitude, those years can be the best time of your life. It's all about perspective. I'm aware that, you know, being old is better than not being, you know, here at all. Don't get me wrong on that one. So if God is listening, if, if there is a God, and most of the time I do hope there is one, I officially vote to be around in my 90s, okay? I hope there's no confusion about that one. <laughs> God hears you, Spud. Yeah, he may have been slightly confused about your willingness to accept getting older, but now that you further clarified it. I'm sure he'll do the yeah, right thing I certainly hope so. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should say it one last time. I do want to hang around as long as I possibly can. Should I say it louder? Well, I don't think that's necessary. Uh, Spud, you should operate on the assumption that there is a God. We didn't send you to parochial school and pay that tuition for nothing. <laughs> yes, Father, I was conflicted. But your father found out the nearest Jewish shul was a 30-minute drive, and St. Anthony's was only three blocks away, so it was a no-brainer. Yeah, I know Dad wasn't into the carpool thing. You know, if the new Pope, though, was in at that time, I might have just converted Well, you know, while I was there. But anyway, thank you, though, I got to say this, for letting me transfer to a regular high school later. You know, you know when it gets to the final stretch for me, my, my last days, I, I think I might want to have a good cross-section of all religious icons from all the major religions in my room just to make sure I'm covered. I mean, I mean, who really knows which one of them is the one to really have? You know, I mean, who knows? But <laughs> oh, there's only one true God, and he... Hey, uh, what's your name? Could you please shut the hell up? Oh. I am trying to have a conversation <laughs> with my son here. I call in his show and only get a few moments of airtime, and you want to interrupt me? The mother who almost died giving birth to him? Well, no, I, I was just making a statement. Look, that zip, God zip it, man. Hey, hey, Mom, I have to go now. I'll drop by this weekend. If you want me to pick anything up, just email me, all right? What? You can't pick up a phone if I, I call okay, you? Fine. Mama, I love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Good night, Mrs. Goodman. Okay, you know, as a professional broadcaster, I want it known that I successfully battled my personal issues tonight and, oh, yeah. and still delivered an adequate performance. I, I could have easily lost it and gone off and crawled into some corner, leaving you two to steer the ship alone. <laughs> yep. Well, that's why you are the star of the show, Spud. Even when you're in the depths of de depression, you never let it affect your ability to be the best host you uh, can be. Gina, that was a little bit gooey. Throttle back a bit on the false praise. I I'll just say this. It would be a good thing, Spud, if maybe you went to see someone and discuss your fear of aging, like clergy or a CPA who can go over the financial benefits that comes with being yeah, institutionalized. Yeah, all right. Well, the one thing that does give me a little comfort is the dating scene. That awaits me when I finally do get placed in mini storage by family members who have, you know, thrown in the towel. Looking ahead, I can only imagine how no annoying and cranky I'm going to be, so I, I, I can only feel their pain right now, I guess. But from what I've read... You know, I read this in a couple things uh, online, uh, on Facebook mostly. You know, mostly, it's not the older person's app, right? Um, I guess I guess it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet 24-7 for, for those people. Uh, there's yeah. like eight women to every man in those places. Yeah. Spud, you may like the odds with the nursing home chicks. But first, you sure better learn some new tricks. Like maybe studying how to be bilingual for kicks. 
Or, uh, Spud, you know, you might be married by then and your wife would be at your side. No, you get married when the odds are not in your favor. You know, when you start to get a gut and the, the hair you have left is starting to get a little embarrassing. You know, baseball oh, yeah. hat time. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about your late 30s. That's a smart time to get married. But if you're still single near the end of your life and in a nursing home, you certainly don't get married then. That would be like tearing up a winning lottery ticket. Well, my grandmother does meet a lot of gentlemen at that senior center dances she goes to at the first and third Friday of each month. It is usually five or six women to each gentleman, but she still seems to have them lined up asking her to dance. Well, the genetics are pretty impressive yeah. in our family. My grandma is a hottie. Well, I plan to work that gold mine, let me tell you. I have heard many stories about those dances. You can get more action there than at any swingers club. I guess that's basically the last stage of life when you can still drive your own car before they you know, take your keys away, which you don't even want to think about that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to hit as many dances as possible because I plan to go down with guns blazing you know before the family members you know have that intervention and uh, do take those keys away so <laughs> and game, it's game over when that happens I just got to say that but you've got an interesting perspective on life it's no wonder you suffer depression hey maybe wherever you will be living then it will have some room and a place for you to do a radio show it wouldn't take much equipment and it would keep your mind active uh, well, shoot me in the face if I'm still doing a radio show in my 90s. <laughs> Though I do appreciate the thought, Gina. Okay, I should wrap it up now. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Once again, here is Wes Spate. Somewhere over the rainbow way up high. You've been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. The executive producer is Lori Madsen. Video director is TJ Pites. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Spud's Greek chorus is the folk singers in hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicists. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking. of Northwest music. This is an hour of sterling conversation. This is an hour of analysis of the previous hour of the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Hello to everybody out there listening. My name is Gina, and I will be your host tonight for the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Lawrence, our regular host, is out of town tonight, and no, he's not super. No, he did not get his parole revoked and sent back to California. Actually, he's doing so well here in the state. He got permission from his parole officer to go skiing in Sun Valley, Idaho, for a few days. I had no idea that he skied. 
I just learned um, he was a national junior slalom champion. So, Lawrence, if you're listening tonight from some cozy cabin in the mountain, I hope you're doing well. With me is my co-host, is our man with the highlights, Derek. Thank you for so so much for filling in. No, it's no problem. You know, I've been waiting for either of you to call in sick or go on vacation for a long time. I'm ready for this opportunity. I will now have an air check tape I can use on my resume. Mm. It's not that that I'm unhappy being just the guy who handles the highlights, but I do have dreams too. Well, I was not aware of this, Derek. It's good to know that you have career aspirations in the radio business. While I'm uh, gone on maternity leave, I I really don't know what our executive producer has in mind for a co-host, but you have my vote. Yeah, that ship's already sailed. I heard the word was they needed a woman for the female demographic, but I sort of feel that's a bit sexist. What? I don't appeal to women? Uh, I, I would rather not go there uh, while we're on the air. Maybe you could set up a meeting with Lori and see if you can convince her that you would deliver on that demo. So why don't we say hello to our panel as it is tonight. Dave on the soundboard, how are you doing? Good evening, Gina and Derek. <laughs> and then we have our engineer, Mike. Glad that you're with us tonight. Thank you very much. We really couldn't broadcast without you. And of course, we have our two interns from Pierce College, Anna and Trent. I wore a bird costume today. <laughs> I hope you two will jump in here and help me out with some witty commentary. Hey, uh, do you think if I was a young, hot woman, say 25 or so, that I'd get this job while you're on maternity leave? I mean, I'm not trying to stir up any trouble. I'm just asking your opinion. I kind of feel as a white male, I have some obstacles in my career path that are not totally fair. Well, you could be right about um, how, how... How about we start off the show with some music, Okay. Um, Hi, super. Leading off is our uh, favorite of Spuds. This is a live recording of Dean Martin at the Sands Hotel in Vegas in the 60s. Here's That's Amore. And then we have a live cut from that great Seattle band, The Gits, in 1992 and their song, Another Shot of Whiskey. Seems to shine like you've had too much wine That's some old Bells will ring, ting-a-ling-a-ling, ting-a-ling-a-ling And you'll sing Vita Bella Hearts will play tippy-tippy-tay, tippy-tippy-tay Like a gay tarandella when the stars make you drool, just like a bus, they When you dance down the street with a cloud at your feet, you're in love. When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, senore. Excuse me, but you see, back in old Napoli, Azzurre. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, oh, that's When you dance down the street with a cloud at your feet, you're in love.
got to be a way of breaking out of here. When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, Signore. What am I shouting about? I got the job. Excuse me, but you see, back in old Napoli, it is Uh, I was all the way back in my dressing room. I heard you applauding. I rushed right out of here. Thank you again for hanging around to do another song for the Post Show Report. So I, I want to ask, who were your biggest influences in your mu- musical career? 
Um, there's so many. It's, you know, I could go on and we could talk for way too long. Um, Super. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I love blues. So Muddy Waters is probably my biggest. Um, and I'll never, um, you know, be as great as he was. Uh, and Jeff Buckley is another one. Um, I would say kind of uh, striving for their kind of mood and uh, their style uh, overall. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so when you were little, did your parents make you take piano lessons or play an instrument? I, I want to make sure that my child will be exposed to music early on. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's a good idea. My, um, you know, it, I don't think any kid can say like taking music, taking piano lessons is cool, you know, as a kid. <laughs> So I think like the key is to encourage them to do it and kind of let them do it how they want to instead of, you know, instead of I think so many kids, like I teach piano. So, so many kids, I think, get frustrated with it mainly because like some, um, and no offense to them, but it's like an old ugly grandmother teaching them Mm -hmm. the piano. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think they just, they can't really connect there and so I think if you show them it's fun and how easy it actually is, um, I think that's kind of the best. They way. get into it more. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so how long does it take you to record an album? I, I've always wondered that. I, I've never asked me just does it take longer than it does to write a book or write a play? Yeah, I mean the thing is, is being an independent artist, um, you know, I don't have the luxury of saying like I'm going to take a year to make an album. So. Um, you know, so there's been, I've, I have three full length albums. And so there's been times where I've, I've, um, I guess by default taken a year to write the album, right. And develop the songs. But, uh, I've never, I mean, I, the last album I put out transmigration, I recorded that in four days and that was eight songs. So, um, and the one before that was similar. Um, the one before that was similar. So it's, it's usually like two to four days. I just have to like get insane and not sleep and just record you know uh so another question where do you want to be career-wise in about 10 years uh i would love to be playing like uh, both or either would be i'd be content with either um i don't know if, i guess dave david letterman probably won't be around but uh so center night live Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, last question is, what is the last song you're going to do for us tonight? Uh, This song is called Skin Glue, and it is on my latest album that was released in August, Transmigration. I want to be 
against mine, up against mine. I want to feel your skin up against me, up against mine. I want to feel your skin up against mine, up against mine. I know you feel it too. Oh, baby, you. Oh, baby, you. Oh, I know you feel it too. Oh, baby, you. Oh, baby, you. I want to feel your skin up against me, up against mine. I want to feel your skin up against mine, up against mine. I can't wait for you tonight. This is the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. All right, Derek, what highlights do you have for us today? All right, so our first highlight of the night comes from Spud's interview with comedian Billy Gardell. In the clip, we get to hear about Billy's lucky moment opening for a comedy great. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Well, early in your career, you opened up for one of the greatest, if not the greatest, I think maybe the greatest comedians of all time, George Carlin. How cool is that experience? It was incredibly cool, you know. I, I got a call from the club owner in town, and uh, and uh, he had come in, and his opening act was sick. And I happened to get, uh, I got lucky. I was standing in the right place at the right time, and I got to go over and uh, open for him. And um, he was uh, he was so gracious with me and very kind. And uh, and afterwards, I said, "Can you give me some advice?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "Always write about what's going on in your life." That way your act never gets old. And I said, well, what if nothing's going on in my life? He said, then get busy living, kid. And they wow. walked away. <laughs> wow. I'm writing, very cool. I'm writing that down right now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, last question. Um, if you can- oh, man. What a fantastic quote from George Carlin. Yeah. That, he's, he's one of my favorites. Definitely. It's definitely a good one. Yeah. That quote, though. Yeah, that's a get busy living. Yeah. It's something to remember. All right. Well, let's get back to the music. Uh, The first song we have for you is uh, by the Gang of Four. It's called Cheeseburger. And, you know, that sounds really good right now. Before I was pregnant, I wouldn't even touch one. Isn't nature something? Okay. After that, we have a band from uh, that was originally from Austin, Texas, and later moved to Seattle. I don't know where they are based out now, but um, it's Night Beats and their song Out of Mind. But first, gang of four. I need a cheeseburger to go!
cheeseburger.
Stay tuned for more of the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Welcome back to the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Hey, Gina, uh, they're telling me that you have a call. Do you want to take it now? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. Wow, this is my first phone call as a host of a radio show. Did you get any information as to what the caller wants to talk about? Uh, you know, I think I forgot to ask about that. Uh, I'm new at this, too, so I'll ask our interns for the next call we get. So hang up and wait for another call? Uh, no, no, put it through. Uh, caller, are you still there? Hey, is this the lady who's pregnant? Uh, why, yes, I, I'm currently pregnant. Yeah, I know. I saw the picture of you on Facebook from last week's show. You were a nice-looking lady. Uh, Super. Um, why? Uh, thank you, I, I, I guess. Is there a question or something I can address here? Not really. I, I just think you look hot. How many months pregnant are you? Uh, you want me to deal with this, Perv? I don't like where this is going. It's okay. Uh, so I'm about eight months right now. Why do you ask? That's what I was guessing from checking out the photo. Are, are you a regular listener of the Spud Goodman show? Who? No, I've never heard of it. That's the name of this show? Uh, uh, super. This is the Spud Goodman post-show report, man. Can I ask why you're calling in? We don't have all night here. Get to the point. Chill out, dude. I'm talking to the lady here. So it's Gina, right? I was wondering if you might want to meet up for a drink sometime. Not tonight. I have my two little ones this week. Next week, though, with work, the ex has them. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I'm not currently drinking, being that I'm eight months pregnant, you know. I, I really must be going now, so thank you for calling in. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, okay, I get it. Meeting in some bar late at night might not work for you. How about for lunch? Have a few two-for-one coupons at uh, Ruby Tuesday. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm currently in a very committed relationship. So, goodbye, caller. Okay, okay. Then how about just sending me some pictures of you? Just ones of you in your final trimester, if possible. Uh, shall I terminate this call with extreme prejudice? Yeah, please do. Don't take this personal. I just like pregnant women, okay? So sue me. It's not illegal or anything. I okay, I promise you no more of those calls will get through. Yeah, I would really appreciate that. Uh, so how about we return back to the music? All right. Um, first, we have for you a classic from that great Detroit group, MC5, and their live cut of Kick Out the Jams from 1969. And then we have a band that was originally formed in Montreal, Canada, and are now on hiatus, Wolf Parade and their song Palm Road.
All right, it is now time for the clip of the week. It's that time again. Uh, this week's clip of the week, uh, our theme seems to be respect. And who better to talk about respect than Donald Trump? Oh, of course. Right? Yeah. I promise you one thing. If I run for president and if I win, the Second Amendment will be totally protected. That I can tell you. With that said, our country is in serious, serious trouble. We have a president who, in my opinion, is incompetent, doesn't know what he's doing. We need a new president. We need new leadership. We need strength. We need people that are respected. Putin has no respect for our president. ISIS has no respect. And do you ever notice it's never ISIS, it's ISIL. The only one that says ISIL is Obama. It's the only one. Just not a good person. Just not a good person. And I can tell you this, if I run, and people are going to be very surprised, and if I win, America will be great again. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. With all that, you know, no respect. Pardon me. With all that no respect business, you'd think that he thought we were being led by Rodney Dangerfield or something, right? <laughs> it sounded a little actually stand-up uh, comic-y, what he was trying to do. But could you imagine him being a president? I'd, I'd almost vote for him just to see him in front of Congress telling everybody, you're fired. I was going to say, like he'd, tr- <laughs> he'd somehow manage to like make a reality TV show out oh, of it. Of like We'd have the Apprentice White House edition. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrity Apprentice White House edition. I'm for it. I think that would just be uh, very entertaining. Celebrity cabinet members. Oh, yeah, I got reverb. Hey. Oh, hello. See, that's a voice you can respect right there. Yes, it is. I'll vote for you. Cool. Yeah. All right. So um, how about some more music? Let's lead off with a band originally from Federal Way, Washington. They are now defunct, unfortunately. They recorded this song, In My Way, live on Spud's cable TV show in 1993. After that, we have a tribe called Quest with the classic Bonita Applebaum. So enjoy. Yeah, wait, yeah I 
Question the authority.
Bonita Applebum, you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebum, you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebum, I said you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebum, you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebum, I said you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebum, you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebum, I said you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebum, you gotta put me on. Bonita, Bonita, Bonita. 
Yeah, like get it, get the losing out of the way. Yeah, there you go. Get that the sounds, suck out. That sounds legitimate. All right. That's a good strategy. I, mean, I think <laughs> it's, it's done well for me so far. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we have time for a couple more songs. So let's start with the bird song Chimes of Freedom, which, of course, was written by the great Bob Dylan. And then we have a song by a Seattle band called the, uh, the band Solvents titled Song for a Right Wing Christian Conservative Homophobe. Between sundown's finish and midnight's broken tone, we duck inside the doorway, thunder crashing as majestic bells and bones struck shadows in these sounds, seeming to be the child of. Flashing for the warriors whose strength is not to fight. Flashing for the refugees on the unarmed road of flight. And for each and every underdog soldier in the night. And we gazed upon the chimes of freedom flashing. Please. 
Man, can you believe how fast the time went tonight? It just flew by. Yeah. You know, I'm just not sure if I got enough for my air check demo to send out to stations. Uh, do you think I could maybe do a monologue or something now just to make sure there's enough of me in the show? Well, I would love to let you riff here, but they're telling me that we're out of time. I did want to say... Uh, to everyone who faithfully listens to the show each week, how grateful I am for all your e- emails wishing me well during my maternity leave. And I will be listening myself just like you while I am gone. But rest assured, I will continue to keep my laughing skills sharp for Spud's show and will count the days until I can return to work with Lawrence again on the post show report. Uh, how about I tell a quick funny story or something? Maybe Super. a knock-knock joke? I don't think I have enough of me being funny. You know I'm very funny. I don't get the chance to show it here as there's okay. always something uh, else Super. going on, but I am extremely funny. I, I believe you, Derek, and I hope you're able to overcome the burdens of being a white millennial male. I, I know you can do it. We need to say thank you to our panel. Dave, you were great as always. Well, thank you very much, Gina, and I would just like to tell everybody what a pleasure it is working for a true professional like Derek. (laughs) And Mike, we couldn't do this without you. And to the two interns from Pierce College, Anna and Trent, I will really miss you guys. And so keep making good decisions. Okay. Super. (laughs) So until I return down the road sometime, thank you and good night. Yeah. Good night, everyone. My name is Derek. And we we will leave you with this tribute to all the hipsters out there with the long flowing beards. Here's a tune from the group called The Four Beards titled the beard so until i return down the road sometime thank you and good night yeah good night everyone and my name is derek down in the cellar we first saw this feller with manner peculiar and weird we'll never forget the first time we met the beard he played on a cello, a tune that was mellow He saw us and then disappeared He went up in space, there wasn't a trace The beard Everyone we told created some disorder Many fainted, others headed for the border From beneath the rock a voice said There's one man to see Find him and he'll tell you who the beard can be. So we looked in a fountain and over a mountain till deep in a cave he appeared. You know who we found ten feet off the ground? The beard. We'll never forget the first time we met the beard. He went up in space, there wasn't a trace, the beard. Everyone we told created some disorder. Many fainted, others headed for the border. From beneath the rug a voice said, there's one man to see. Find him and he'll tell you who the beard can be. So we in the fountain and over a mountain till deep in the cave he appeared you know who we found ten feet off the ground the beard you 
know who we found Ten feet off the ground The beard The Spud Goodman Post Show Report is written and directed by Spud Goodman Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Associate producer, David Deere. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Audio highlights, Derek Schneider. Our interns are Anna Howell and Trent Botello. Theme music composed and performed by Brian J. Martin. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Copyright 2015's Bud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. I promise you one thing, if I run for president, and if I win, the Spud Goodman Show will be totally protected. Uh, uh, uh. That I can tell you. <laughs>